we've always wanted to try and pick courses that were going to be the hardest, if not one of the hardest races of your life. Um, we wanted that because that's what people, that's what runners want. We, we, we really like hard races. You know? even, <laughs> yes. even if we have a flat race, we're like, yeah, this means I can go for a PB. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> so we're suckers for that. Um, but we wanted to do trail races in particular um, because it's, it's a very inspiring way to run. It's a different challenge for a lot of people. Um, and we wanted to do it somewhere where it told the story of the nation. So if we go back to the global goals, they're, they're so interconnected. So if you um, can stay, take strides forward in terms of gender equality in Nepal, it's also going to have a huge impact on lowering the level of poverty. It's also going to have a huge impact in economic development, in sustainable communities. So, so each of those goals is, is, is remarkably interconnected. And I think that that's something that's really important that people don't necessarily quite understand when they arrive um but then it's about really understanding it from the perspective of someone who um yeah is is uh, living with hiv having been uh in in nepal like right. that's a very unique experience to listen to someone talk about that that and, and understand it but never never in a sort of um pitying or guilty way we always look at it from an empowerment perspective hmm. um and and we always look at the stories that empower our runners empower the community empower everybody um we're really conscious not to make this into something where it's it's uh, you know someone with with good means coming from the western world to do good in nepal that's 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 not it that's never been the dream it's about really opening up everybody's eyes and connecting everybody to the the, the interconnectedness of the world um and an empowering story in nepal is, is 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 even more powerful when you take it home with you hi everyone that was nick kershaw of the impact marathon series founder and ceo and once again i'm your host mark lane holbert kicking it off for the new season the first episode of the season with this great project it essentially is a service learning opportunity for runners to learn about these several five or six unique corners of the globe and each one of them is a week-long experience capped off with a marathon or half marathon with local community support and these projects all designed and thought up by the local community they learn about the greatest need as well as global sustainability goals and a lot of thought goes into these these programs so if you like me are interested in culture and experiencing local running culture as well as global issues and global concerns then this is a great way to get in touch with both and go out and do something amazing for a community or several communities. Um, they range from Jordan to Nepal to Guatemala to Malawi and Kenya. And all, all of the programs are very unique. You can check out their website, impactmarathon.com, or you can link to them from runninganthropologist.com to learn more. Um, go to our website, or you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Running Anthropologist. Please share this with others as you enjoy it and others you think would be interested, as well as check out anything that you can and share it with us in the venue of running culture. Uh, before we get started, I'd just like to mention that we will be continuing our Marathon World Majors uh, episodes with an interview with a Tokyo race director uh, of the Tokyo Marathon, and that will be in about a week, so look forward to sharing that as well. Without further ado, let's get started.
Right, and Nick Kershaw, welcome to the program. We are very grateful to have you and super happy that you started this great experience for runners and look forward to all that you have to share. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing really well today, and I appreciate you taking time to be with us. Um, I, I wanted to start off with, uh, yeah, the big question, uh, what is it that started this and why? What, what's, the, uh, what's the idea behind it? So um, it all kicked off in 2015, and um, I was at the time working in finance, in particularly in impact investment was what was interesting. So looking at how uh, businesses could have a, a positive social impact and how you can invest and grow those businesses. And um, at the same time, I had some projects out in Uganda, just some some stuff I was doing on the side, and I, I was doing a, a talk at an event where um, we were trying to do some fundraising for it, and it's you know easy to get people with champagne in their hands to give some money, but I don't think everyone realizes the, the change and the power that that money can then have um, in the communities. And the only way to really realize that is to come out, visit, spend time, learn, understand, connect. And um, so, yeah, I was just saying that I was kind of, I didn't want people to just donate. I really wanted them to come out to Uganda. Um, and I made this sort of off the cuff joke that was, um, you know, when we do, we're going to run a marathon, uh, which I don't really know where it came from to this day. And I'd forgotten I'd said, and at the end, lots of people were saying oh, that we love the marathon idea. So six weeks later, we launched um, Uganda Marathon. And off the back of that, I launched Impact Marathon Series uh, in 2015 in Nepal um, and then various other countries around the world so that it would get people to come out, spend time in the community, spend time with each other as well. I think that's a really important part of it. Um, spend time in, in nature, spend time in somewhere completely different. And then at the end, the catalyst, the victory lap is that we, we go on and we run, uh, well, we call it a marathon, but there's 10, 21 K in there as well. So it's, it's kind of for everybody uh, to kind of take on the challenge that they want always on trail, always somewhere kind of mind blowing, uh, just to finish off the week and just bring it all together. Uh, and, and just sort of show that, that even though there's huge challenges facing the world, when we break down those challenges, and they're achievable. And so like a marathon up a volcano is a huge challenge. But when you break it down, when you take it one step at a time, when you when you work with others around you, then it becomes something achievable. So that was the whole kind of concept of Impact Marathon. And that was uh, 2015 and, and, and still going strong now into 2020. That's, that's such a great analogy. I, and I know that the Impact Series is a lot about the impact it makes on the community, but also the impact that it makes on those individuals, you know, the runners, the visitors, mm. their hearts and their their worldview I, th I think i guess in in my own words um yeah i, I've read... I think you're right completely i think it's overlooked actually in some ways um of of what the impact is about it is about both ways it's about the communities but it's also about the runners themselves and and the changes that they then make in their lives thereafter which is which is potentially the most exciting stuff that happens on our trips yeah, I hope I didn't put any words in your mouth. I've been yeah. reading. I've been reading a lot of blogs, you know, blog posts from runners and organizers, and just super exciting stuff. I, from what I can tell, you're in your fourth year of Nepal now. Is that, uh, is that right? This will be year number five. Race number five will be 2020. So okay, so you've done number four, four, number five in 2020, and yeah. you also have uh, Guatemala Impact, Malawi, yeah. Kenya, and the newest one is Jordan. Correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, what so after Nepal, um, what brought you um, to go into Latin America and parts of Africa? Um, you know, how did that movement uh, go forward after after the Nepal uh, marathon? 
I guess each race has its own sort of story or reason why we ended up looking at it. We're, we're always looking for the destinations um, because it, there is this like this combination of that travel, um, the impact, and and the running experience. So we're always looking for the travel experience that takes you to somewhere you wouldn't normally go. Um, mm. And then we're looking at the community engagement piece of, of, of where can we have real impact? Where's the community really going to uh, inspire our runners as well? Um, and then the final piece is, is, is has it got a course that, that is really exciting to run and unique and iconic? Hmm. Yeah, so there, and each there's... one of those is like looked at from a, a slightly different perspective in terms of it could be someone we meet who's got some, some really good connections out there. It could be um, me sitting there and going, you know what we need? We wanted to have it so that you could travel around the world with us. Um, and we wanted to have it so that um, uh, where we were doing it, there has to be a social purpose for, for, for launching a new race. That's a social reason why we're doing it, a clear outcome that we're going for and a story to tell. Um, and once that piece is in, the other two kind of fall into place quite nicely, I think. Mm. Yeah, you're definitely not um, catering to individuals who want to spend their time, uh, you know, in big cities and shopping. It, it, it's very much a, a, an encounter with the people living in towns and villages along the different places where you go, it seems. Oh, completely. Um, I, I think... And it's also not catering for, I think it's very easy to buy a travel experience. Let's say Kenya as a good example. You can buy amazing safaris in Kenya. You can turn up, you get picked up from the hotel, you get taken on this extraordinary experience. Um, And it is extraordinary. It is one of the things that makes Kenya an amazing, amazing country. Um, But also what makes Kenya an amazing country is the people. Um, And also what makes uh, Kenya an amazing country is some of the the towns and villages that you just whiz past while you're on that tour. Um, And what we wanted to do is just like, link people up with with different parts of the country there as well that you would never normally get to visit and um you know afterwards we help guys go on to do all sorts of different adventures after I and mean, we've seen guys go on to the gorillas go on to some guys went and climbed to uh everest base camp a day after doing a marathon in the past so you get all sorts on our trips but um but definitely i think you know as well uh, I'm, a, I'm a city boy through and through but there's something about when you get people out into nature get people out into a slightly uncomfortable place our athletes villages aren't super luxurious or anything um it really bonds people together and it opens up mindsets and it's taking people outside of their norms so that when when we start talking about the changes in the community we're not talking about life-changing decisions that they might make going home when we start talking about the difference we can make in our companies and our families all of these types of things then once you get people out in nature that 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 brain just becomes that much more receptive to those ideas and creative and i guess that's the exciting about running in nature as well isn't it we, we all love that experience of it as well it's just doing that on a on a slightly more extreme level of let's all live on a Hillside for a week. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of which, I, I'm really curious. I mean, once again, I've read a little bit about some of the projects, but maybe you could walk us through what an individual might do in terms of service work um, with a community um, during the during a week, a typical week um, yeah. with with uh, one of the Impact uh, Marathon series. So. Every every community is really different. Nepal is a great example because the community really took the platform, which is how we kind of describe it as. It's a, it's a platform. Here we are. We've got this amount of people. We've got this amount of fundraising. What can we do together that can make a really big change? Mm. Um, 
and the community um, in Nepal were all focused on, on water supply. And it was it was the first visit there was was less than a year after the 2015 earthquake, which took 10,000 lives across Nepal and and destroyed a lot of villages. Um, and so their whole focus was was getting water supply year round into everybody's houses, um, mm. which is not even that common in Kathmandu, the capital, let alone up in up in one of the villages. Um, but so when we arrived up at the village, we spent one night in Kathmandu. We then went, uh, spent time at the projects that we fund in Kathmandu because we fund two projects there. Um, so you'll go spend time, learn more. And we're trying to get it so that people learn on a different level. It's, it's very easy to sort of tell the story of one of our organizations um, is called Burns Violent Survivors. And it, and it talks a lot around um, and, and supports uh, children and women, particularly directly through um cases of burns cases of acid attack cases of these types of things which are often places um the reason being is 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 domestic abuse but it's often not reported like that Hmm. so we can talk about it from the case of rehabilitation we can talk about all these different things um but this year actually um the lady who who runs the organization came along and talked about women's place in society in nepal and what that means towards you know in this context and what that means as a bigger picture rather than just focusing on how do we treat burns better when there's 56,000 cases but only two wards in the entire country that that can service um burns victims so um there's the two types of of discussion there's the discussion of like what is happening right now and and the immediacy of it but there's also the discussion that understands uh, nepal in a slightly greater context and that that engages guys in a much deeper level which i think is is something we're now after four years getting getting a good rhythm on because we're understanding what people actually want to talk about instead of just that feel good feeling of, Oh, cool. We're helping, we're helping raise funds for Nepali hospitals or whatever. There's more to it than that. And, um, and, and that's exciting. Um, then we head up to the village and then we start to do actual, um, if it, if it works, um, the manual work, if, if we don't feel like that's telling a good story, then we'll happily change that and be it more learning. Week. Then we, we don't just get our hands dirty for the sake of it. There's got to be a real reason, a purpose and an impact to it. Um, and so in Nepal, we built the water pipeline that three years on now means that every single house in that village has, has water all year round. It all comes into a meter. So they all pay maintenance. So they all keep the water pipe going. Um, so that's the kind of level of what we're doing in, in, in Malawi. We worked on a permaculture homestead, looking at how we use land. Um, and so getting stuck in and learning more about um, not only the use of land in a, in a extreme environment, like a Malawian fishing village, but actually how that translates to how we use land back at home and where we source our food and understanding more around the challenges with the current farming techniques that we use with lots of fertilizer and these types of things when actually the world already has those answers the earth already has those answers so it can sometimes sound a little hippie-ish i guess but it's so interesting because when you're doing it there with this whole group and everyone learning together um it's very very powerful week Um, and and then at the end we have a little rest day where we'll probably do some workshops it could be language stuff it could just be chilling uh, all sorts of different things depends on the country um and then on the final day we run and that's that's it then we have a little party and then the next day people either head on home or, or head on to do something, some other, uh, something else in the country or, or surrounds. Sounds good. I, and Nick, I do want to get into a little bit more of the details of each of the oh, runs. Yeah. But before we do that, I, I wanted to touch on the, um, I know that you all follow the, the UN global goals for sustainable sustainability or sustainable development, yeah. um, of which I, I think obviously they're among the 
you know, the dozen or a bit more of the most important goals that um, are possible for the planet, including climate action, water access, um, poverty and hunger, um, responsible consumption, um, life of, you know, sea and land. It, it, it seems like the places that you choose to go are places where people can impact, but also learn a lot about these global development goals. Could, um, what are some of the learning aspects of, you know, of those goals that you see people bring home? Well, I think the goals when you're sat there, I mean, so, so many companies and, and organizations have sort of introduced uh, the SDGs into what they're they're talking about their their their, their corporate social responsibility sort of discussions um, and I think you know particularly out of our the guys coming on our trips most of them are already aware of of the goals existence most of them are already aware of uh, what their company or what their community is doing in, in regards to them but I think um, each of the goals is different in every single community so what no poverty means in London is very different to what no poverty means in a Malawian fishing village. What gender equality means in Boston is very different to what it means in Kakani village in Nepal. So I think one of the, the, the two aspects that I look at from it is that one is it's just taking these what can sometimes feel fairly intangible uh, goals made in a, in a big office in New York um, and make them very grassroots, make them very understandable, make them very tangible for our guys to get their head around. Um, and to really understand it from a different perspective. I think also the fact is that they are global and, and when we don't understand it from the different angles and we don't understand no poverty from a Malawian fishing village, um, then we're missing the point of them being global goals. They're becoming sort of our own personal goals. Mm. And so it's sort of opening that up. Um, so when we take people out, I mean, one of the things that, that, that is also massively important to understand way that the the global goals they're they're so interconnected so if you um can state take strides forward in terms of gender equality in nepal it's also going to have a huge impact on lowering the level of poverty it's also going to have a huge impact in economic development in sustainable communities so so each of those goals is is, is remarkably interconnected and i think that that's something that's really important that people don't necessarily quite understand when they arrive um but then it's about really understanding it from the perspective of someone who, um, yeah, is is uh, living with HIV, having been uh, in in Nepal. Like right. that's a very unique experience to listen to someone talk about that, that and and understand it. But never, never in a sort of um, pitying or guilty way. We always look at it from an empowerment perspective, hmm. um, and and we always look at the stories that empower our runners, empower the community, empower everybody. Um, we're really conscious not to make this into something where it's it's uh, you know someone with with good means coming from the Western world to do good in Nepal. That's 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 not it. That's never been the dream. It's about really opening up everybody's eyes and connecting everybody to the the, the interconnectedness of the world. Hmm. Um, and an empowering story in Nepal is, 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 is even more powerful when you take it home with you back to London. Um, but it's also your stories, your, your energy, your experience, your knowledge, your skills, all of those things play a part in what we then are able to do in Nepal as well, or yeah. any of the countries. That's, that's a great perspective. I, I really, really appreciate that. And I know that interconnectedness is something a lot of people seek and uh, you can't really, as, as people say, you can't really give away or you can't really share what you don't experience, what you don't know in your heart. And um, so I guess that's half the battle, right? Just getting there, experiencing, learning, and um, then knowing, okay, this is what really 
people need or this is the impact that's most important from the perspective of my experience. Um, Would you mind sharing a little bit more about that need or that um, impact experience in Guatemala? It's a little bit closer to home for us in the United States, um, particularly with a lot of... Firstly, I love that line. I've written that down because don't be surprised if you see that in our in our output in the, in the, in the months ahead, because that's fantastic. Um, we show you Guatemala. Guatemala is, um, so Guatemala is an interesting one because I was looking at basically places where you could talk about uh, climate change. Guatemala is one of the most impacted countries by climate change because of its huge, uh, hugely biodiverse natural areas. Um, but it's also one of the countries that um, least contributes um, hmm. as well. So when I went there, I was going there with the intention of talking about conservation, of talking about the, this this incredibly beautiful and biodiverse country. But when I got there, um, and one thing that we're really cognizant of is that you've got to take away our agenda. It's got to be around the agendas of the community. Um, and when we got there and we understood the different parts of Guatemalan society, um, and we saw the challenges and the indigenous Mayan communities and what they needed to do in order to have a voice. And um, then we saw that the communities you're working in are all talking about climate change, but they're not talking about it using those words. Hmm. They're talking about it from the perspective of um, my crop yields are down this year. The rainy season is not as consistent as it used to be, so on and so forth. So all of these things... Um, are kind of like they're talking about climate change, but it's talking about it from their own individual perspective, not from a macro global perspective. So once you started to realize that, that's when we started to look at like what are the major changes you can make in communities to create uh, more sustainability in the future. And that's um, when we started talking to an organization called CERES, um, which is a global le- like a leadership for youth. So they help the youth find a voice, they help the youth um, tell their story and be heard and make impact and changes in their communities. So it's mm. very much like a capacity building set up within Guatemala itself. Um, now, it just so happens they've also got some some land um, on on Fuego Volcano, which is the, the volcano that erupted back in, in June uh, last year. Okay. Yep. So um, we've, we've been doing actually work in that. It, it was a pretty devastating time for the communities that we and setters in particular work in. Um, but now they're using that land again, looking back at land management, looking at permaculture techniques to use it as a place where you can train and give that land back to the community so they can rebuild their lives with agriculture. Um, and so we were doing some more work. Uh, permaculture and, and um, land management comes up in every single one of our races hmm. and every single one of the communities that we're in. And again, everyone's looking at it from perspective of, of their own personal crop yields, not in the sense of that this is something we should be doing on a macro global level. Um, but I think one of the learning points coming from impact in the last 18 months is, hold on, there's something really important here that we need to talk about in terms of um, of how we use the land that we have. And and that's never more prevalent than it is right now when we look at, at what's happening in Australia and we look at all of this, some of the things like understanding that, that when we go into our local supermarket and, and pick a piece of uh, a, a chicken breast out in a plastic uh, package, that, that chicken has come from somewhere. And um, we've used our resources to... Uh, for want of a better phrase, grow that chicken, fuel that chicken, and now use that chicken to fuel us. So there's so many different discussions around how we consume and 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 these types of things, and and that seems to be no matter what we do, the biggest conversation piece mm. that's coming out of all of our races at the moment. And Guatemala is very much 
um, because of the work setters do and because of the, the leaders finding their voice and their focus on sustainable communities. That's been where the focus has been. Um, and it's just a, it, what I love about Guatemala in particular is that it's just a country that surprises you in so many ways. Mm. Um, I, as, a, as a British person, you don't grow up with a big connection to Guatemala. Um, in fact, we're only the seventh British company to be set up and working there, uh, which says quite a lot. And um, when you get there, you, you don't really realize how beautiful it is, um, how uh, biodiverse, how remarkable, how, how amazingly welcome the people are. It's a, it's a really extraordinary place. Um, but it's played with, with with big issues, and it doesn't have the strongest uh, leadership, um, and and therefore the gangs have an opportunity to fill that void, which creates you know, some really difficult areas, difficult parts of the country, um, which hold back um, the areas that don't want to be sure and by corruption, and, and it, it's a challenging country in that respect. From a North American perspective, you know, obviously we have yeah. a bit more connection, particularly I think the southwest of the U.S., where they see a lot of uh, Guatemalan families and very, um, you know, perhaps they don't know much about the situation that they're coming from, but they see these very colorful indigenous, yeah. in particular, uh, Guatemalan families coming to because they're, you know, obviously things are very difficult back home. So that that impetus to somehow make it uh, make that as you said, biodiverse Mecca, a place where they would want to stay, you know, is such a such an important thing, I think, for the Americans who know Guatemalan families and who feel, you know, feel for them um, right. having to leave their homes. Um, right. But in addition to that, I know that, um, you know, obviously these people that are going down, many of them are marathoners and looking forward to running. Um, that's the capstone experience, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what, um, you know, at the end of this week, uh, what sort of running experience do they have and how do you set that up? Um, what does that look like on the ground for, uh, for an average runner? So we've always wanted to try and pick courses that were going to be the hardest, if not one of the hardest races of your life. Um, we wanted that because that's that's what people that's what runners want we, we, we really like hard races you know even, <laughs> yes. even if we have a flat race we're like yeah this means i can go for a pb yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> so we're suckers for that um but we wanted to do trail races in particular um because it's it's a very inspiring way to run it's a different challenge for a lot of people um and we wanted to do it somewhere where it told the story of a nation so if we go back to guatemala um this was a really interesting, I, look, I searched high and low in Guatemala for a good running route. And it turns out that it was right there in front of me, um, which is Bacaya Volcano. And mm -hmm. this is a volcano that's active. Um, we, we will regularly see lava um, through the race day. Um, it is absolutely stunning. It's challenging. Um, it's got this extraordinary south, southern lava field that you run through, which is which is like running on the moon um, is mm -hmm. the best way I can describe it. It's, it's, it's like nothing else I've experienced, um, but it still tells that story. It tells um, you've got the, the natural biodiversity on the, on the slopes of the volcano and, and the forest you run through. You've got the thinkers, the everyday working small farms that you go through on the way down to the lava field. You've got the lava field, which brings home like the level of, of, uh, of how much this country is, um, 
is 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 linked into the volcanoes and and the earth mm. itself. Um, and then you've also got that moment when you come out of the forest at the top of the volcano and you see this, the the crater and there's there's usually you can see pretty pretty strong. Uh, you, yeah, it's pretty amazing, and you hear rumbles and all this type of thing. It's it's a, a very unreal running experience. Um, but but in all of that, it's iconic, it's challenging, it's trail. Uh, and it tells the story of the of the nation, um, and and also we always look and make sure that we're able to manage it effectively as well, um, which is uh, another a separate challenge. And so each of those countries that we work in, we we do those different things. Malawi, you've got a bit of the fishing village, you've then got a bit of actual road running that that this links in like the difference between being in a village and being in in a more built up area shows that contrast. Um, and then you've got the different we work through through a number of different villages that we're working, in, and then you've got this. Um, extraordinary beach finish where you run along the beach hopping you have a choice of going down on the hard pack sand near the water and having to jump over the fishing boat uh, ropes or you go <laughs> higher up and you've got the deeper sand um, I always go uh, go on the low hard pack sand but then Mark who's our head of operations he's a he's a deep sand kind of guy but both about the same pace at that point um, so we've tested it out in every way on that course but so it's, so that's it but the, I think the the key is that the atmosphere on the course is really different because everybody's gone through and seen the world slightly differently by that Friday. And when it comes to Saturday morning, um, people are out there just to go out and enjoy it. And we always call it the victory lap um, because mm -hmm. it is, it's that at the end, it's that celebration. The whole communities always turn out as well, which is what makes it really special is that the communities uh, get involved completely. And, um, and then suddenly you're running in a unique experience because a lot of guys are running for their first of a race. Um, and so everyone's helping each other through and there's a, there's, there's stories of, of support and love and, and real sacrifice that happens out on the courses that that's really enjoyable to listen to at the end of the day. Um, mm. we, we always do like a hero shout out session at the end when, and it's, it's everybody's involved and, and in many ways, actually, I wish we, we incorporated the community into that a bit more because actually a lot of the shout outs are for them. Um, mm. and stuff that the guys have done out on the course and helped with. And we've got so many stories of guys who've just done brilliant things for other runners out there, um, as well as it just being a fun day. No one's worried about their PB. Imagine a race where no one cares about their PB. <laughs> It'd be so much more fun, right? And and that's kind of how it works out. Oh, that's great. I, just hearing you talk about that is is really, you can tell it's a great experience for everyone. Um, I do want to get to the last, um, to Jordan, your newest trip. But before before I do that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, I know that the Nepal uh, marathon route that you do is quite iconic. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that. Well, interestingly, it's changing this year. Okay. Um, we've, going back to what we were saying before about um, uh the the need to make sure that we're always having a, a strong social impact and we've been we found that every race we've had this group of runners come from a, a village called Batase, um up in in Sindhapalchuk region um for what for those who know nepali regions um and uh they came and there was this groups of like everywhere between 10 and 17 18 year olds and they were winning they won 12 of our 18 awards huh. the, year, the year before and we were like well, what's what's going on in this village so we went up and visited and um, we're, it's a very rural experience and it's up there. And um, But it turns out like the kids go for a run every morning and every sunset. And it's proper trail. I mean, we had a 13-year-old girl set a course which was 13 kilometers long and climbed 974 meters. So what, 3,000 feet or so. Wow. 
and she didn't she didn't bat an eyelid she was just bossing the boys around telling them this which is again unusual in Nepali society for the girl to be so vocal and so dominant in that setting but but running has brought that out and so um we started looking at what we could do in the future and so this year we've actually changed the course to away from Shivapuri Park um which is where it was before and, and an amazing course that that's going to be it's going to be sad not to be on that course this year but the new one is so um is, is slightly more technical, I'd say, but you're still there right in the shadow of the Himalayas. You look up and you're seeing 8,000-meter peaks right above you. Um, then but before that, you've got these beautiful like foothills and you've got these deep valleys. Um, and then where the course is, is going to like wind its way through paddy fields, it's going to go through a couple of the different villages in the area. Um, it's it's going to and it's, it's going to have quite a lot of hills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing flat in Nepal. Um, so... Yeah, we, we're just reshaping it at the moment, and it's, it's honestly the most excited I've been about a new race um, for a long time. Uh, in terms of it, it's, it's very close. How we're doing the impact side, how we're linking in with the community, all of these types of things is is really exciting. So, um, But the new course is going to be slightly more technical, I'd say. Um, some really good descents, really good uphills, uh, but all the way you're just winding through the valleys of, of this, this amazing region. Um, and it's it's a it's sort of region where you don't you would never normally see tourists end up. Sure. Um, guys just go straight through up into into the uh, the national parks. So this is just outside the national parks. So you've got you're looking up at, at all of those those peaks, but you're you're in a, an area where actually it's a pretty unique place to go. No, no, you wouldn't accidentally stumble across Patasa on, on a <laughs> on a normal trip. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be climbing to the peaks of Everest, so why not just see them and be running in the foothills and through the communities that um, you know that are not touristy, which is exactly, uh, yeah. such a cool, such a cool course and idea. Um, and just so that I'm not remiss, because you only mentioned it once, um, there are there is the option for half marathon, and you still plan out and make sure that people see the yeah. diversity of of these countries and these places. Um, so you don't have to go the fall if, if that's not your challenge. Yeah, level. and normally we do it as loops. Um, and uh, when people first hear that, they either love it or hate it. But um, by the end, most people will kind of enjoy it because what we do is we set off the races so that when the marathoners are hitting their second loop, the half marathoners will be coming in to support and run with them. The whole spirit is to get everyone running together with others for others. So our 10 and 21 kilometer races are designed for everybody, you know, we, we have plenty of guys who come and, you know, oft, oh yeah, it's often actually um, the partners of keen runners who really love everything that Impact's about, but like, oh, I'm not sure I want to want to run a marathon um, or can run a marathon. Actually, we see guys like that walking the 10K. We see them help us on the team as well, which is great. Um, and also the 21, we always encourage people to do the 21 because if you can if you can do 10 kilometers, you can do 21 as well. Um, and you can walk the hills and you can, we, we don't have aggressive cutoff time. So it really is for anybody. Um, but if you want to test yourself, it's the courses are right there for you. Um, so the 10, the 21 are also there, but, but, but again, we, we, we don't, it's not like, uh, usually the 21s are most popular. So <laughs> in, in many ways it's a case of, um, not with internationals, internationals is always 42, but when it comes to local participation, it's the 21 and 10 that are, are more popular um so we want everyone who crosses that line i think that's the other thing is that we we as a team make sure that every single person crossing the line gets the same energy and love and we have uh, this beautiful um finishing line which we had hand stitched by a tailor mayan tailor in guatemala and it comes all to all the races around the world hmm. and that one everybody gets that moment of running through the finishing line that's um, beautiful which is i don't know many other races that do that um 
bet. It's quite a lot of effort, quite stressful <laughs> in the day. Because if people are coming thick and fast, you have to be quite smart how you do it. But um, but in the end, that, that's it, is that everyone is cherished. And the last person will, will sadly, will, will, uh, it's fantastic, really, will get a, the biggest roar of the day will be the last person coming across the line and um, this is usually an international runner but this year in Guatemala it was actually Guatemalan and and mm-hmm. deep down I kind of thought everybody would be like cool all the internationals are home let's let's get back to the uh, athletes village but not one person was thinking like that everyone was like no we're, we're waiting until the last last person comes across and and this guy um, had never experienced anything like it when he just had to run through a group of of 50 international impact runners all just giving him a guard of honor and he was in he was in tears at the end it was it was such a special moment because and and, and what i loved about it was like that wasn't that wasn't from us it wasn't from the team that was from the runners themselves they wanted to make sure that everybody who got home got the same love as they did um, that's great that was pretty spectacular yeah and there's there's a about i don't know what you would say breakdown but there are a lot of local runners that run along with eh yeah i mean um because they're quite technical trail courses, we tend to like not advertise massively um, because we don't want vast, vast amounts. But we've had, uh, we usually get around two to 300 in each country coming running. And wow, that's, um, that's, that's pretty much perfect. That's a really good number to make the course busy, make it fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I think going on to Jordan, I think we'll, we're probably going to see more in Jordan than normal. Okay. Um, and also it's a more manageable course. So, so we're pretty happy for that number to, to be higher. Yeah. Let's, let's go on to that. So by the way, for yeah. listeners, most should know this, but 21 K is a half marathon, about 13 miles. And the 42 K of course is the full marathon, which is 26.2. Um, and it's, it's, uh, something we probably all know, but something just to briefly mention, um, as we go on to Jordan, this is your newest one. And I know that you wanted to do something in a region that most people don't know about and that certainly there's a lot to learn about. Um, I know that in all these, just from reading and talking to participants that safety, um, and support is your number one concern, making sure all the participants are safe and that it's good for the local community. Um, what is that like in Jordan? What is that like as a country and why did you choose it? So Jordan's been something that we've been looking at for three or four years, actually. One of the, the first guys who started to help us out um, always had this vision. He's, he's actually uh, Lebanese, and, and he wanted to a race in the Middle East um, because he wanted to dispel many of the myths around uh, the Middle East. He wanted to open up to, to discussion, and, and also like, he wanted to, to make a difference in the region. Um, and so Jordan's always come out as the main one to, to work with um, because – uh, although it's surrounded by some fairly fairly challenging areas, um, Jordan's always been a very much an open door to those struggling. Um, it's always been a, a peaceful nation. It's always uh, it, you, it, they want to shout about the fact that they're safe, but they feel like if they shout about the fact they're safe, then everyone will go, "Why are they shouting so loud that they're safe? That's suspicious." And so they're kind of <laughs> stuck in this this little this this issue. And and so, um, but we wanted to to talk about it because it's it's a yeah highly Christian population, which I think surprises many. Um, even the type of Arabic they speak is very different to the rest of the region. Um, it's uh, got some very rich areas. It's got some very poor areas. It's not sort of the, the, the Gulf type um, United Arab Emirates kind of wealth. Uh, it doesn't have that kind of oil money and that kind of thing. So the country is is a lot more humble than that. And um, uh, we wanted to look at Actually, it goes back to when I was at university. I studied politics, and um, 
one of my courses was specifically on water politics and around the, the challenges facing the world, particularly the Middle East, um, if we don't start to work on, on our usage and our handling of water. Um, mm. And it's something that we definitely don't think about in in the UK, for sure. Um, I can't speak for, for the US, but I imagine it's not top of the list of people's concerns. Um, and uh, But actually, Jordan is the second most uh, water-scarce country in the world. Mm. And so what this means is that, uh, well, in one of the communities that we're going to be working in, uh, it's just south of the Dead Sea. And so everybody's drinking water from the Dead Sea, which has 10 times the level of sodium you're supposed to. So on average, um, children under 15 are getting hospitalized once a year for kidney or liver problems. Oh, and, so, and, and that's somewhere where, you know, yeah, an hour and a half north, you've got the big resorts the big tourist hotspots but the communities south of it they're not they're not benefiting from that um and in fact they're kind of suffering from it because because there's no funding for those kind of communities um so we wanted to um talk about water in a, in a different way and then also again and not, not annoyingly it's is it's really exciting in a way but but permaculture came up again hmm. and um, there's a project there called green in the desert which is all around you know desert is essentially you know if you look back through history, you look back through the deserts, particularly in Jordan, the Wadi Rum Desert, which will be the place where we race. Um, the Wadi Rum Desert was once a lush oasis. It was once fertile. And, and, and then because of our misuse of the land, it, it becomes very quickly, quicker than you'd imagine, it becomes a desert. And um, what uh, Jeff Lawton, who's a, um, the chap who set up Green in the Desert, is all around is like, we can handle most of the world's problems if we just handle our gardens better if we mm. just happen our, our agriculture better. Um, and so he set up Green in the Desert to show how we can use natural practices um, and actually create lush, fertile land again. Um, and he's done that in some of the, in places where it's regularly 50 degrees Celsius um, he, and rocky. When you look at the soil, you go, there's nothing in this. Um, and yet after 18 months, two years, actually it's producing really, really strong crops. And even though that there's not much water, they use all the water available to them, whether that's wastewater from the sink, whether that's whatever it is, it's, it's using that. So we're starting to look at how we can then take the learnings from that, putting them into a small scale to support communities and families in each of the communities. Um, and they've developed these, these beautiful home gardens uh, that have in a way that can just um, mean that you're using a lot less water, a lot less water to grow a lot more um, crop. And therefore, that excess crop can then be sold, which helps the women in the family create more uh, create more money coming into the family and more income. So it hits a number of levels from, from the sort of global goal of, of water and sanitation to um, economic development, to gender equality, um, to, to malnutrition. So like it hits a lot of different global goals from different angles, uh, but all of it starts in the garden. Hmm. Um, so... Yeah, once we started to sort of piece together that that social story around talking about water and putting water to the forefront of people's minds, because this lecturer said to me back when I was 20 years old, the the next major wars will be fought over water. Mm. And at that point, I didn't really, I, I remember the line, I remember to this day, which is rare because I don't remember much else from my degree. Um, <laughs> but that one stuck with me. And so when this opportunity to walk in, work in Jordan, where fundamentally you've got a volatile region and, and, and that type of thing, it, it, it felt like a really important discussion, um, but also we wouldn't be doing it in a, in a place where we felt it would be unsafe. And undoubtedly, Jordan Jordan is this oasis in the middle of uh, in the middle of the Middle East, which which um, is very safe for people to, to come to, um, and very beautiful and very welcoming, and and unbelievably large amounts of food. 
Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think that, yeah, that area particularly is rich. The history, you know, that you're running through, the opportunity for people to travel from there and uh, see some of the ruins, biblical, biblical ruins and, uh, and, and other things like that, I think is a big um, is a big draw for people. And, and as you said, this the, the food, the culture, the people, just such wonderful, welcoming people. Did you um, spend some time out there, right? I, yes, my, my wife especially has spent wow. more time than I, and she um, she would like us to go there. So you might see us on, on an Impact series sometime in the future. Um, and by the way, I, I as we kind of finish up, I know that mm. you've had a lot of very positive media in, in an area that people can be very critical and find a lot of problems. You all have found, you know, a way to stay very true to, to runners and to the experience, um, mm. very keyed into their safety and logistics. Um, I, I want to give you kudos for that. I know it's a Thank great you. experience. And I know that you've also been featured in the Sunday Times just recently, so people can find an article there. Um, of of, uh, of London um, and uh, where where else can people find uh, information best if they want to delve deeper and read more? Um, so we're impactmarathon.com. Um, we've got on there in the media page. You can we will wish we update as as quickly as we can. Um, so you can go there. You can listen to um, other podcasts. You can listen to uh, you can read a lot of the blogs. We've got the blog page um, as well. Um, so there's a number of different areas. Uh, the best place for like up-to-date stuff on Impact is always our Instagram page, um, at Impact Marathon. Um, that is monitored 24 hours a day mostly, uh, and we're always updating stuff on there. So uh, for the latest stuff, always impactmarathon.com. But, uh, sorry, always uh, Instagram, but for uh, any information, deeper reading, we've got all the links of that on our, on our website, um, and we'll be building that out throughout January as well. Wonderful. Well, I, I just want to really thank you for your time. I know that uh, you guys are doing a lot, and I know that there's great things ahead. And as I said, I look forward to joining an Impact Marathon sometime in the near future. Fantastic, yeah. And uh, being able to share with listeners a little bit more about the experience. Um, until then, uh, please definitely stay updated. I'll be posting a link to all those things you mentioned on our website and our Facebook page. And, um, yeah, uh, Nick, happy running. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your time. And um, yeah, good luck in 2020. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. It's been a great way to start the 2020 running season. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and share it with others, as well as link up. Share any comments that you have or questions on our Facebook page at Running Anthropologist or on our website, which is a blog site, uh, runninganthropologist.com. There you'll find info and links from this episode as well as all of our past episodes. If you want to peruse them or skim them for ones that you find interesting, that's a great way to do it and share those with others. In addition to that, we have some great series coming up. We hope you'll join us for those. And if you have ideas or insight into running culture, we hope to hear from you. Until next time, we wish you and all the running communities that you're a part of happy running. Happy running.